Morning. Morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, I I hope that you guys saw we have some of those baby bottles coming in. And uh, so if you haven't been able to pick yours up, you can pick one up on the way out. We have a whole bin of them, but some of those are starting to come in. We're going to be doing that all the way through Father's Day. So uh, um, some of those look like they're kind of heavy, right? They got a bunch of change in them. What I want you guys to do right now is to look for something around you that's light. You might have some glasses on you can use. There might be a piece of paper. Grab something that's light. Everybody got to grab something. You guys at home got to grab something that's light, okay? Okay, and what I want you to do is just, there are pencils and pens in front of you. Everybody has to have something. I I look around and some of you guys are staring at me like I'm going to give you something, but I'm not going to, okay? Hold it up. Just hold it up in the air, okay, as high as you can. Now, I want to ask you, how long could you do that for? Probably quite a while, right? I mean, it's not much. Your arms are going to get tired before this thing weighs you down, right? Because that's what light things do. Okay, put them down. Now, what I want you to think about, I want you to look around you, and I want you to think, what would happen if you grabbed like one of those chairs in front of you or that person sitting next to you, tried to hold them over your head? Not quite the same experience, right? You guys at home, you grab that couch you're sitting on. You try and hold that. How long do you think that would last? Right? Weight has everything to do with it. Now, Sometimes, tell me if this isn't true, sometimes waiting can feel like that, can't it? There's sometimes you're waiting and there's no pressure, no problem. You're waiting for Christmas, that's easy. You're waiting for somebody to show up at a lunch appointment, that's pretty easy too. But there are other times when you have pressure, when you have like a time commitment and your, your schedule you know, is pushing you forward. Or Can you imagine waiting if your life was on the line? The longer you wait, the more in danger you are. I mean, that, that's a whole different experience, isn't it? That's like carrying a weight as you're waiting, isn't it? Because waiting's easy, but waiting when something's weighing you down can be hard, right? You guys, sometimes it feels that way when we're waiting for God. Today, we're finishing up our series on the weight of the world. And sometimes we feel like we have that weight of the world kind of crushing us, it's it's pressing down on us, even while we're waiting for God to answer our prayers, while we're waiting for God to, to transform our lives, while we're waiting for God to move in this world. And when we're waiting under that kind of weight, that can be tough, can't it? Today, the scripture that we're reading, the passage we're reading has something to speak to that. So let's stand together As we listen to God, what he has to say to us from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 10, and then verses 15 through 17. 1 Corinthians 4. It says, For uh, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, is the one who has caused this light to shine in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we are like fragile clay jars holding this great treasure. That makes clear that this power is from God and not from ourselves. For we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Through suffering, always caring about in our body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be clearly seen in our lives. And these things 
or for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving which will abound to bring in the very glory of God. Therefore, we do not despair. Even though through our outer body is being crushed and afflicted, yet that inner person created new in Christ is being renewed day by day. I want you to turn to somebody and say, I'm being renewed. Do you believe it? I'm being renewed. I want you guys to remember that word. It's going to come up again. But let's finish this out. Listen to this. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. I love Gloria in the front row. You guys got to sit around here more often. She'll get you going. Momentary light affliction is producing for us Not just in us, but for us, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. Are you going through something today? Does it maybe feel like the weight of the world is pressing down on you even as you wait to hear from Jesus? Wait for Jesus to show up in the midst of it. God wants you to know that in the midst of our waiting, underneath the weight, that he's working. And he wants us to know there is going to come a time that we look back and all of that weight is gonna look like nothing compared to the weight of the glory, the weight of the completion of his work, not just in us, but in our world and in those around us where everything will be made new. This affliction is producing for us an immeasurable weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. Today's message is titled Waiting for Breakthrough. Father, uh, this morning, we need to hear from you. We don't need to hear words coming out of my mouth, my best ideas, my best thoughts. Father, we need to hear from you. We need to hear your spirit speaking your word to our hearts because I know there are people who are here today or who are watching this broadcast who are listening And they're saying, you know, that weight is, it feels crushing to me right now. And they need need that load lightened. Not Not just by taking it from them, but by infusing us with that hope, that expectation, that awareness, that this isn't as heavy as it seems, that, that God, the, the way that you come under and you bolster us in that, and you give us the strength not only to bear up under it, barely, but really to have victory over it. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak that word today, that we would see even here in this place, that we would see around our, our congregation and throughout our homes, Father, we would see this breakthrough of your spirit as we start seeing these afflictions lighter and lighter, especially compared to the weight of the glory that you are preparing in us and around us and through us and for us. So Father, we ask that you would do this this morning in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. You know, when we're little kids, everything's exaggerated, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? 
right? You, you go into a day and a day seems like it's a lifetime, right? I crammed so much into the day. And you think about it, it makes sense because the kids have only lived this far. And so a day is a pretty big chunk of that, how much life they've had. But it seems like forever, right? I, I remember in second grade, I looked at these fifth graders walking down the street and I'm going, I mean, they look giant. They just looked, they looked virtually huge. You know, they're like, they're like adults by that point in fifth grade. We had this stand of trees in our neighborhood. It was behind some houses. It was about 25, about 25 feet across. And we called it our enchanted forest, right? Because we would go out there. We'd spend hours in that place and hope not to get lost, you know, because it was so big. Because things are exaggerated when you're a kid. And one of the things that uh, is exaggerated when you're a kid is, is how much things weigh, how heavy things are, right? It doesn't take much for something to become just unmanageable, like your, your dad says, hey, can you carry that, that dining room chair in here for me? And you're like, oh man, right? Or you have this, this, this pile of three books and you just know one more book and you're just gonna collapse because there's, just, there's not much margin in this, right? It's just everything is, it weighs so much. I also remember as a kid, the shock of reaching for something you thought was so heavy and it ends up being super light. Right? Did you ever reach into the, the refrigerator and you're pulling out the, the gallon of milk and all of a sudden you about throw it through the ceiling because you're, it, it's almost gone, right? It, which is funny because that means is, is that between a full gallon of milk and an empty gallon of milk is the full spectrum of, of light as a feather to unmanageably heavy for a kid, right? That's a pretty exaggerated view of life. Everything becomes exaggerated in that way. You know, without belittling what we go through in life, in places like 2 Corinthians 4, God tells us that oftentimes what we consider so heavy is only because we don't understand how wide the spectrum is of how weighty things can be. Did you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes things feel like they're crushing us because spiritually, we're still kids. We're still growing up. And God is strengthening us, and he's, he is helping us to grow and, and spiritually become stronger so that not only can we hold up under these, these trials, these hard times better, but he's actually preparing us so that we can hold up under the weight of all the glory that he's preparing for us. Because he says that's heavy too. So that these times that we go through sometimes is just preparing us, strengthening us, making us more ready because this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight, an an unimaginable weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. You know, in uh, an article in 1968, there was a professor at uh, University of Chicago's Oriental Institute. Her name was Erica Reiner. And she was explaining how in the ancient Near East, there was this culture called the Sumerians. And they had this phrase that just basically meant, eh, it's nothing, right? Around here, they might say like, ah, forget about it, right? It just, it's nothing. There's no problem. There's no weight to it. There's no, no worries. Forget about it. Well, in Sumeria... In their culture, they had um, their foundational number was 60. We have base 10, they had base 60, right? And so 60, they would count time in 60s, which interestingly enough, we still do, right? 
60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, came from the Sumerians. They also, they looked at the sky and they mapped it as a big circle in 360 degrees, which is six sets of 60, which is interesting because we still do that, don't we? 360 degrees in a circle, angles made on that. But the Sumerians also, they measured weight by 60s. And so they had, what was your shekel? It might be gold or it might be silver. And then 60 of those made a mina and 60 of those made a talent. You guys might remember some of those or recognize some of those terms from the Bible because the Sumerians passed this, these, kind of, these concepts down to the Babylonians and they passed them down to all these cultures in the Middle East, including Israel. And some of them, like we saw in time and, and, and with the circles and all that, some of that's come all the way down to us. But it came from this ancient group called the Sumerians. Now, what that meant was throughout the Middle East that a lot of people, this idea of 60 had this idea of completion to it. 60 was a complete number. It was weighty. It was, it was meaningful. It was useful. And, and on the opposite of that, half of 60, so 30. 30 meant, it's not quite, it's not 60. It's half of 60. It's nothing, right? And especially if it wasn't just about gold, it was about silver. So 30 of silver, 30 of anything of silver, 30 shekels of silver, that was nothing. That was like if you said, ah, the 30 shekels of silver, it meant doesn't weigh a thing, doesn't mean a thing. So for example, there's a story about uh, in uh, ancient Babylon, they had a hero named Gilgamesh. And one, in one of the stories, he's putting on this, this armor and it weighs about 50 pounds, which was 50 minas, okay? It's a lot more than shekels. That's 60 times what a shekel is, is 50 minas. And he says, ah, this feels like, feels like about 30 shekels of silver. And some people read that and they said, you know what? I think he meant literally, it feels like 30 shekels of silver. And you're going, well, why did he bother? I mean, he's talking about 30 versus, it was 50 actually, and he's talking about shekels and it was actually minas and he's talking about silver, but it was actually bronze or something. Why is he saying it that way? Because that phrase, he wasn't being literal. He was just saying, it was just a way of saying it's nothing. 30 shekels of silver doesn't weigh a thing. So you get to the story of Judas betraying Jesus, right? And it says in the New Testament that they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And a lot of people look at that and they say, well, that sounds like a decent amount of money, which it actually was a decent amount of money. 30 shekels of silver wasn't bad. But the truth is what they were saying was that they just kind of reached in their pocket. They grabbed whatever loose change they had and threw it at them. Said, that's what Jesus is worth to us. And Judas took it. 30 shekels of silver, chump change. Chump change in exchange for the glory of God, the face and the person of Christ. Not a very good trade. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, do we make that same kind of trade at times because we don't understand the spectrum of the weight and the value of what we're actually dealing with? The glory of God in the face of Christ in the Bible, glory comes in a lot of shapes and sizes, doesn't it? It talks about the glory of God. It talks about the glory of angels. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 40 and 41, it says the sun has a glory. The moon has another kind of glory. The stars have another kind of glory. There's a glory of things that are from heaven. There are glory of things that are from earth. It says that the glory of things that are from earth is kind of almost more like a shadow or a copy of things in heaven, Right? 
Kind of like the, the moon is just really a reflection of the sun's glory. In the same way the things on earth reflect heaven's glory. So in the Old Testament, Moses was commanded in this, this tabernacle that they built to say, this is kind of like where God dwells. We're, we're making this representation of this. And, and he was told, cover everything on the inside of it with gold to, to give it the best representation of what it would be like to make your way as you're making your way first in that first room called the holy place and then into that deeper kind of inner sanctum called the holy of holies, making your way closer and closer to this place where, where God dwells, give you that kind of feeling of what it would be like to go deeper and deeper into that place where God dwells in his glory. So outside in the temple courts, you had the sun shining, right? And then you get into this holy place, that first room, and you have the menorah, which is this big uh, set of seven oil lamps that's shining in that room and shining off all the gold. And you're thinking, oh, wow, this is, this is kind of, you know, you're getting deeper into it. But then you get to the holy of holies, and there was no lamp, there's no light, except for the light of God's presence. As he, he, it says that he dwelled in his glory, his Shekinah glory would, would rest, would hover between the wings of the, the cherubim that were sitting over the mercy seat. So just this place where the very light of God was lighting up the room. But, but then in Hebrews 8, 5, it says, you know what? But all of that was just a reflection, a shadow of the real, a shadow of the heavenly. And so then we get to Isaiah 6, 3, and Isaiah is caught up actually into heaven itself where he sees this, the, the throne room of God and he sees the seraphim that are, uh, that are flanking God on either side and his glory that's in between them. And the seraphim are shouting back and forth to each other and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But then listen to what they say. They say the fullness of the whole earth is his glory. So here are these heavenly and angelic beings and when they talk about what was created to best reflect the glory of God, they say the fullness of the earth is what was made to, the fullness of the earth is his glory. The fullness of the earth, meaning the earth as it functions, as it was created to, every part as it was designed to, every part in place and aligned with the very will and purposes and intentions of God for it, that is the glory of God. But then we look at Romans 3.23 and it tells us that all of us, we've sinned. We've strayed off from that, that designed, that intended way, that, that intended purpose. And because of that, we've fallen short now and we fall short of, we come up short of that glory that was intended for us. We come short of the glory of God. And then in chapter eight, it says that as a result of that, all of creation now, is bound and groaning under the weight of that fall because we've become just a corruption of that fullness, of that glory that was intended. As beautiful as this world is, as this earth is, as beautiful as everything in it, the relationships and everything, it's this, it's this, this broken image of what was intended, the broken image of the glory of God. And it says in Romans 8.21, it says that that creation will only be set free. Listen to this. When it was brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
And on that day in Revelation 21, it gives us a picture where God brings this renewed heaven and this renewed earth that are different because they're not separate anymore, but they're brought together in this one place where God dwells. And it's just like when they had entered into that deepest place of the temple where God's very presence provides the light. So it says we don't even need the sun and moon and the stars anymore because the glory of God provides the light that we need. And so that... You take that picture and you take that picture along with this sea of those who have been rescued. It says from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that are gathered before God in worship that are in that place. And you take that along with the new heaven and the new earth. And you take that along with the the river of the water of life that's flowing from the throne of God and the trees that line it, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. And along with that, you take the fact that there's no more death and there's no more sorrow. There's no more sickness. There's no more aches and pains when we wake up. There's no more weight of the world that we are being crushed under. That is what he's talking about when he says there is this eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension that is being prepared, produced for us through these momentary afflictions. Have you ever thought about that? It says, for that reason, for that reason, what we suffer now should seem like us and can seem like us to be just, will seem like us to be just 30 shekels of silver, right? It's nothing. It's nothing compared to the weight of that glory. Amen? I'm looking around, wondering if you guys, I don't know, somebody should be jumping up. Gloria, I'm surprised you're seated. I'm surprised you're seated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it isn't. We love it. So the question for us is this, though. The question for us is this. What do we do in the meantime, right? What do we do in the meantime when it still feels so heavy? Because we are. We're still kids. Right, we're still growing up. God's still training us. We're still in this world, and it still is broken. And it is it's that heaven and earth aren't together yet, and God's glory isn't providing the only light that we need. What do we do in the meantime? Well, the Bible has a word. It says that we wait. We wait. And then while we're waiting, you know, Jesus told a story about a guy that went on a, a trip and he, he put his servants in charge of everything. And he said, while I'm gone, he says, you manage everything while I'm gone. And so they started, they started working. They started managing, overseeing, stewarding while he was gone. And it says that they, they took each day as if that day was the day the master might come back. He said, that's what it means to wait that's what it means to live while you're waiting. We, waiting should mean that we, we treat each other in a certain kind of way. Waiting should mean that we, we steward our, our possessions, those things that we've been left in charge with, in, 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 in charge of in a, in a certain kind of a way, right? Whether it's our lives or whether it's our relationships or our, our finances or whether it's our world that we live in. But waiting means that we, we live expectantly as if the master could be returning today. But ultimately, Jesus said, waiting would show in the way that we pray. In the way that we pray. 
And that prayer becomes such a big part of this world because he said, he said never forget that we need to understand that, that when, uh, when we came to Christ, when we received God's lordship, when we by faith received Jesus and surrendered our lives to him, he gave to us his Holy Spirit. So we're not alone in this waiting We've talked about that, but the Holy Spirit is with us. And the Holy Spirit, he is the very power of heaven. He is God himself who is living within us. So he is an actual, he's a foretaste of, he's like a preview of that fullness that's to come. And he's living within us. So he says, be aware of this, one's within, this one who is within you. He's come. He's the one who, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, listen to this. He transforms us daily into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory, right? Because that's where we're going, is that fullness. According to Romans 8, 16 and 17, it says, he testifies within us that we are the children of God. Do you remember that? That, that it said that, the glory of the children of God is what creation is going to be released into that's going to free it from his burden. And we are those children of God, even though we, we live in the midst of suffering, we live in the midst of this brokenness. In Romans 8, 26, it says that he prays within us even when we don't know how to pray. So he is the one who is within us and he is teaching us, how do I pray as I wait underneath the weight of the world? He's the one that teaches us. And he says, pray expectantly. Why? Because you carry within you the very preview of the heaven that is to come, of this new creation, this renewed creation. You carry within you the preview of the new fullness of God's glory. So pray expectantly. You should expect that as you're praying, every once in a while that power, in fact, regularly, that power is gonna break out He's going to break through into this reality. And we're going to see those glimpses of what is to come. We're going to see the glimpses of the glory of God right in front of us. So he says, pray expectantly. That's why we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're saying, God, even though I live in this day that these, these realms, heaven and earth, are still separate, they're separated by sin and death, even though I live in this place where I live among shadows and copies at best, even though I'm still just a child, I carry within me the very preview of heaven itself, of this new creation of the fullness of God. So let your kingdom come and let your will be done right here and now on earth as it is in heaven. So pray expectantly. So we pray breakthrough. Breakthrough, God, with your, your fullness into the brokenness that we might see a glimpse of the glory of God here and now. So we pray breakthrough, right? Breakthrough with the healing of heaven's restoration. Breakthrough so that we might see the overcoming of this sickness, this illness that we see right in front of us. That's what a prayer for someone else for their healing. That's what it should sound like. God, break through. I know, Holy Spirit, that you're in me and you're through me. So break through. Break through right now with the living waters of heaven's kingdom and, and cleanse my heart. 
break these habits that I, these addictions, these, this brokenness, overcome it. Restore me, transform my life. God, break through. Break through, Lord. Break through with the, the resources of heaven and meet the needs that we're seeing in front of us, the needs that are causing this anxiety that's tearing apart families and individuals and tearing apart communities. And we pray, we pray expectantly, God, break through. Father, we wait under the weight of the world, right? Waiting for you to break through. Waiting for that final day when you break through fully and bring in the fullness of this promise. But until then, we say, Father, break through so that we might catch the glimpses, that we might see the power of your Holy Spirit working through us. Amen? So in that future where we see that renewed heaven and that renewed earth. I told you I wanted you to remember that word, right? Renewed. But what I wanted you to remember was what? I'm being renewed, right? Okay, you guys seem to have forgotten. Turn to the same person, tell them, I'm being renewed. Are we? Yes, we are. Listen to this. Listen to these verses, these two verses from Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. It says, even though youths, so he's talking about, again, kids, right? With all their energy, even though youths will grow weary and tired, (laughs) they wear out at some point, even though strong young men will stumble badly, and again, you could almost insert under the weight of the world, right? The strongest among us will get crushed at times. Yet those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And that doesn't mean just renew the strength they had before. This is really saying they will find a new kind of strength. Because listen to what it does. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Do you see the glimpse of heaven in that? Right? What kind of strength allows you to fly? I don't know of any. Right? What kind of strength allows anyone to run without ever getting tired or to walk without wearing out? Only God's strength. That's a glimpse of heaven kind of a strength. And we say, well, that glimpse of heaven strength, that heaven strength, who's that for? Is it just for those who, who go on before us, they go on into that kingdom? Is that who it's for? He says, no. No, it's for those who what? Who wait on the Lord right here, right now, under the weight of the world. They will find this new strength. So we wait, right? We wait expectantly. We pray expectant prayers. We live with the expectation that that our master might come home any day now. And we wait We wait, waiting for a breakthrough, praying for that breakthrough, expecting a breakthrough, because we know that this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond any comprehension. Amen? You guys, he is with us because his Holy Spirit is in us. He is with us in it. He is the one who carries it for us. Why? Because we're just children and we're learning. Sure, he's giving us assignments, but he's carrying the weight and he's preparing. This isn't meant to crush us. It's meant to prepare us. 
And he promises to use all of it for his good, both in us and in those around us and even for all of creation. Because these light and momentary afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So wait, amen? Wait on the Lord. Living expectantly, praying for that breakthrough. You guys, I just wanna leave you with a couple of maybe more tangible ways you can do this. You know, each service we have people who pray up forward, they, up at the front of the church and they're there to pray. Online, we always, we always have the button that you can, you can touch the button and you can say, hey, I need, I need someone to pray with me. Why? Because we are those who are waiting. And when we pray, we pray for breakthrough. We pray saying, Holy Spirit, you are the preview of what is to come. So I pray that you'd come and that you'd be right here right now and you'd show us a preview of that breakthrough right here in this situation. That's what we're praying for. That's why we have people who pray. I also wanna throw this out to you. We have a group that gathers on Sunday nights, every Sunday night. And we've been praying. We've been preparing. And I wanna invite any of you that would like to join us. We're here at seven o'clock. 6.30? 6.30, sorry. 6.30, yeah, I, I go there too. <laughs> We're there at 6.30 every Sunday night. And I invite you to come and join us. And that we would start praying for breakthrough, praying that God would start taking this, this treasure that he has placed inside of us and making him and making his fullness, his glory visible through us. Amen? So I invite you to join us. Two practical ways you can start living into that, that waiting kind of a life. Amen.